0: Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28:19. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me the power to be your witness, the power to influence others for your sake. I realize that in every room I step into, I am an ambassador for you. With every word I speak, I have the opportunity to speak for you. I commit to representing you today. And I receive the power you give me to be a mouthpiece for you. I declare that I will be bold today. I will be confident today. I will make an impact today. I will rise up and be the leader that you have created me to be. Lord, I will not be led by the crowd. I will lead the crowd for you. You have called me to stand out. You've called me to be different, to be unique. You've put me on this earth right here and right now for such a time as this. You have a plan and purpose for me. You want me to bring others into your kingdom, teaching them to believe in you, And obey your word. Show me how to do this effectively. Give me the right words to say. Then give me sensitivity, wisdom, and good timing. Bless my efforts for your sake and in your name. Amen. Stay tuned to immerse yourself in the greatest stories ever told from Pray.com's podcast, Heroes in the Bible.
1: Hello, my name is Matthew Potter, co founder of Pray.com. And before we start today's episode of Heroes in the Bible, I wanted to ask Do you know what your bank does with your money? At America's Christian Credit Union, your everyday banking helps grow churches, expand the reach of missions agencies, and supports fellow believers across the country. Learn more about specials for switching to ACCU and their nationwide banking capabilities at America's Christian CU. Dot com forward slash pray. Plus, the peace of mind knowing that this credit union is federally insured by the National Credit Union
2: Administration. Hi, I'm back to Tony Evans, your host for Heroes in the Bible. If you've enjoyed this podcast so far, please share it with your family and friends and help us spread God's Word. Welcome to the epic adventure of David, a story of honor, battle, jealousy, darkness, friendship, love, scandal, and murder. While most people know of David the myth, few know about David the man. In this story, our hero's humility is tested. This episode reveals to us the test of a true hero, which is, does he still show up even when the praise disappears? David has been beloved by the entire nation for a few years. Even though he's an exile from Saul, he would still like to think he is loved by the people. But what does he do when the people turn on him? Does he grow bitter and leave them to their own destruction? Or does he rise above the hatred of fickle men to fulfill the will of God? Thankfully, in the highs and lows of David's life, he is no longer without companionship. His mighty and faithful men are with him till the bitter end. David's shepherd's heart has inspired the army of outcasts to become heroes. It's a beautiful thing to see them fight, laugh, and strategize together in unity with David at the helm. In this episode, you will see glimpses of what it may look like to have David on the throne as king. But first, we will begin with a prelude. This story takes us a few generations into the future when a prophet of God fights for his people all to be sent running into exile. This episode's epic high, followed by an isolating low, mirrors the journey David takes in this episode. This episode then ends with sadness, but it is not a sorrow without hope. The warrior poet David sings a new lament and praise to God, touching the hearts of everyone who listens. Let's listen together in episode 11, An Army of Outcasts, Part 2.
3: Prelude to Chapter 11. The heavens swirled in the air above the altars. Storm clouds galloped across the skies like a herd of stallions. Elijah stood in opposition to the prophets of Baal, men who had taken the innocence of Israel and profaned the name of the Lord. Their child sacrifices and blood rituals had gone far enough, and now... In front of the whole nation, Elijah would prove the worthiness of God. A whole day had passed, and the prophets of Baal were unable to cause a fire to start on their altar. After their wailings and vain dancing, Elijah knelt before his God.
4: Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, hear me. All were silent
3: as they watched the prophet pray. He did not lift up lofty words or dance with a ritual. He simply knelt before his God honestly.
4: Let it be known this day that you are the one true God of Israel. Let it be known to them that I serve you. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. Act so that these people may know that you are their Lord. As Elijah prayed,
3: the skies began to rumble. The heavens quaked with fury, and the wicked King Ahab stared in awe.
4: "'Turn their hearts back to you, God!' Elijah shouted. "'Restore them back to you!' Then the clouds burst forth a bolt of lightning, and the
3: power of God descended onto the sacrifice. The wood and the stones used to build the altar were reduced to ashes, and the blistering fire licked up the water that was in the trench beside it. Everyone watched with awe as the heavens began to shake and whirl around them. They could feel the intense heat of the flames on their faces. Their calloused hearts were liberated, and the prophets of Baal were executed. However, the prophet of the Lord was soon cast into exile. In fear for his life, Elijah retreated into the wilderness. The wicked king and his wife Jezebel sought to destroy him. So the chosen hero of God fled for his life. In the safety of a cave, Elijah wept. He had restored the people of Israel back to the heart of God. However, he remained an outcast. Chapter 11. An Army of Outcasts. Part 2. The midnight air jabbed at Eliam's skin like a dagger as he ran through the forest. A piercing winter wind blew at the covering above, making the trees rustle violently. Liam was losing breath with every step. However, he had to keep running. He needed to reach David before it was too late. He flew past with great haste jumping over every fallen tree and root, seeking to trip him up. Piercing through the bustling wind, Eliam could hear wolves howling in the distance. He quickened his already fast pace, until he could see the faint glimmering of campfire. David! He shouted while running.
1: Please, I need to see David!
3: Eliam's heart was beating right out of his chest. The strength in his voice had been captured by the wintry air, and he could no longer stand. He fell onto his knees, gasping for breath.
1: Please, David, are you there?
3: Eliam asked again with a weakened voice. His face fell into the cold ground with a thud. The world was spinning around him, and the sides of his eyes were growing dim. Two figures appeared above him, one with a torch in his hand and the other reaching down to pick him up. The young man was limp and helpless to carry any part of his own body. One of the men carried him back to the camp in his arms, with the other beside him. The man laid Eliam gently by the fire and wrapped bearskins around his shoulders. The two strangers came into focus and sat beside him. One of them leaned over and held a cup of warm water to Eliam's lips. His hair was lighter than most Hebrew men, and a few of his curls fell over his light brown eyes. Here, my friend. Drink.
5: Breathe. Then tell me why you have come here.
3: Eliam noticed the man's voice. It was gentle and soothing like those who would sing hymns of old in the temples. Eliam drank, tightened the fur around his shoulders, and raised his hands to the fire. He drew a deep breath, reinvigorated by the warm water and fire. He looked at the man beside him.
1: I come with an urgent message for David.
3: What is your message? The man asked.
1: It's a matter of life and death. I have no time to explain it to you and to David. Would you get him for me?
3: Eliam said with haste in his voice. The fair-haired man looked over to his companion and smirked. Very well, then. Speak. I am listening. Aliam realized that he was indeed talking to the giant slayer himself. He somehow imagined he would be taller, rougher, and more magnificent in appearance. He shook his head and went to his knees.
1: I am sorry, my lord. I did not know I was speaking with the man himself. Thank you for your hospitality. Forgive me for invading your camp.
3: He looked up to David and held
1: out his arms. I come from the city of Keilah. The Philistines have overtaken the city. They have burnt up the farmland on the outskirts of the city and have now breached the stronghold.
5: Has the king done anything about this? David asked.
1: Word was sent to him days ago when the Philistines were seen marching towards us, but we have heard nothing from him. We have received no aid and no word.
3: Eliam replied with sorrow in his voice.
1: I was sent by the elders to find you. We know that you would come to rescue us. You are the true savior of Israel.
3: David held up a finger and hushed Eliam. His gaze was stern and resolute.
5: There is no savior but the Lord, my friend.
3: David stood up and gestured to the man next to him. He whispered in his ear. The man nodded and left to wake some others. David knelt down next to Eliam and refilled his cup with more hot water from the pot.
5: Tell me everything that has happened from when the
3: Philistines attacked now, he said. "Aliam recounted the attack. He described to David the fire surrounding the city so none could escape. He told him of how the Philistine army came through the front gates, completely shattering their defenses. There were over a thousand of them that came to ransack people's homes and take their women. Then they retreated back to their camp on the outskirts of the city.
1: Now they're camped only a half a mile from the city. They plan to make another raid in just a few days.
3: David pondered the news and stared intently into the fire. He sat there silently, with his gaze fixated on the flames. How many men did you say there were? David asked silently.
1: Just over a thousand by my count,
3: Aliam replied. David placed a hand on the young man's shoulders and smiled. His grin was warm and reassuring. He held himself with great confidence, never allowing the swirling doubt in his mind to scare others around him. Eliam tucked himself into the fur and rested by the fire. He was asleep in a matter of seconds. David's smile retreated as the young man's eyes closed. He stood to his feet and stepped into the dark of the forest. David walked in the cold with the moonlight peeking through the top of the trees. There was a secret place David would go to at night to seek the Lord, a place where he would wrestle with doubt, wonder at the majesty of God and weep in his presence. A large stone sat in a clearing of trees with the moonlight shining down on it. David sat there and drew a deep breath, allowing the frigid air to fill his lungs. He breathed out a sigh and looked up to the sky.
5: <sighs> what shall I do? David asked. Here I stand with the ability to protect the city of Kayla, But I will not move unless you tell me to. I will not go where you have not sent me.
3: David stretched his arms out and bowed his head. A few small tears fell from his eyes and fell onto the freezing earth below. David's shivering palms were open to the Lord. He shook his head and said with a trembling breath, I am afraid, Lord.
5: I am afraid that Saul will find me. Shall I go and attack these Philistines and
3: risk being taken by the king? David's cries for guidance were whispered into the dark, cold night. He was met with silence. The only sounds were from the gentle rustling of leaves above him. David wiped his eyes and looked up. Please,
5: answer your servant. Tell me what I should do.
3: David listened for a voice of reply. He anxiously held his ear to the forest, seeking any whisper from the darkness. Yet there was no voice. David remained in the cold. The biting winter air rested deep in his chest. As he was about to give up and retreat back to camp, he felt the warm presence of a familiar friend. It was not a voice, nor was it a sign written in the stars. Rather, it was a prompting in the deepest parts of his soul. Like a flame being stoked by breath, David's heart began to burn with a clear and resolved answer from God. Go
5: and attack the Philistines, David.
3: Go and save caleb the shepherd heart of god was impressed upon david like a seal stamped on a royal decree god branded david's heart with a mission to seek out and save his people go god said to david go and save my children david arose determined to obey the spirit within him david ran back to camp most of the men were asleep in their tents some of them laying beside their wives and children However, his three faithful were speaking by the fire. Joshobim, Eleazar, and Shama spoke in hushed tones, debating whether they should march to Kayla or not. David sat beside them and smiled.
4: What do you say then?
3: He asked frankly.
4: Do not be shy. Tell me your worries. We are already afraid for our lives here in Judah, Joshobim said. We put our lives in much more danger marching towards Kayla. Not to mention Saul will find us, Eliezer said. He wants your head, David. We must protect you.
3: David nodded, hearing the words of warning. He gestured to Shama. What say you, Shama? The young man shifted on the log he was sitting on. He stared intently at the fire and shook his head.
4: I am scared, David. The thought of marching up against an army is terrifying. But I will follow you, if you choose to lead us there.
3: David smiled at Shammah and looked to the other side of the fire.
5: Jashubim, Eleazar, if the Lord commands us to
4: fight,
3: will you fight? The two of them looked at each other, then back at David.
4: Of course. As the Lord leads you, we will follow.
3: David was silent for a long while. He watched the fire closely, counting every single coal flickering.
5: Shall we march?
3: David whispered to the Lord. Then, as if it was shouting from the flame straight into his mind, David heard the prompting voice of God's spirit say, Arise, go down to Kayla.
5: I will give the Philistines into your hand.
3: David stood up abruptly and put a hand on Shama's shoulder. Tomorrow, we march. The three of them nodded and watched their commander retreat back into his tent. Although the three men were terrified and knew that the others would be terrified as well, they trusted david completely rather they trusted the lord's anointing over him the next morning david gathered his men together 600 of them stood before their commander with swords and spears held at their sides the forest had been their home for months and this would be their first time venturing out of the wilderness and into danger david stood on a stone overlooking his men he raised his voice to them encouraging them in their calling. So the men made their way out of the wilderness and marched west towards the city of Caleb David ran ahead with Eliam, Shammah, and Joshua. The three of them scaled the hills overlooking the city. Below, they could see scorched earth surrounding the city walls. Camped just outside the gate were the Philistines. David turned to William and pointed to the city.
5: Go and tell your people that we are here to defend them. Have the women and children hide themselves and tell any of the men to arm themselves at the gate in case any make their way
3: inside. Eliam nodded and left David to prepare his people. David had Joshua Beam run ahead and scout out the Philistine camp. He remained hidden in the trees south of the camp. Behind the brush, he was able to see the small army preparing to raid the city again. Every man had a sword strapped to his waist and a spear in his hand. Although it was daylight, many of the men held torches in their hands. Joshua Beam counted as many men and weapons as he could, then retreated back north into the hills where the rest of the men waited. He came back to David and pointed to the camp.
4: As far as they know, there is no guard to fight against them. Yet they are all heavily armed with swords, spears, and torches,
3: Joshua Beam said. David stroked his beard and furrowed his brow.
4: They are planning on
5: killing everyone in the city, he said. Why else would they arm themselves so heavily?
4: Joshua Beam nodded. They outnumber us about two to one. However, they do not know we are here. If we meet them in the middle of the valley, between their camp and the city, we can catch them by surprise.
3: Then that is what we will do, David said. He turned back to the other men.
4: My brothers!
3: He shouted. David stood up on the top of the hill with Jonathan's breastplate strapped around his chest and glimmering in the sun. Strapped to his back was the sword of Goliath, and on his side was the sling he used to slay him. He raised his arms to the warriors standing at attention before him.
5: Not many of you have reason to fight in defense of your country, he said. Like me, many of you have been cast aside and treated like a stranger in your own home. Yet today, God chooses you to be the defender of those who once persecuted you. He calls you to rise, and fight for those who would not do the same for you. We serve a God of mercy. We serve a God who is a refuge to all who would cry out to him. Therefore, we will do the same. We will come to the aid of those who cry out. We will defend the helpless and provide judgment to those who would oppress our brothers and sisters. God is a God of mercy to those who seek him. But to the Philistines, he is a God of judgment, and we will bring that judgment with our swords and spears.
3: A booming cheer rushed from the crowd like crushing waves. David yelled with his sword held high, and the mighty men shouted to their God. The Philistine army had made its move. Slowly, they assembled and marched from their camp towards the city. David took a smooth stone out of his pouch and began to swing it behind him. He threw his hips back, cocked his elbow, then let the stone fly from the sling towards the Philistines. The stone traveled over fifty yards, hitting one of the commanders in the side. He stumbled back and looked up. With the sun fixed behind him, David rose the sword of Goliath high in the air for all the Philistines to see. They knew immediately who had come out against them. It was David the giant slayer. David did not call to his men to charge. He did not release archers or send out people in front of him. He ran in first. He did not care who would follow him. He simply burst forward with the passion of God. David bellowed out a battle cry that sent chills down the enemy's spine. Then right behind him descended the army of outcasts. The men who had been cast out by their country now ran to its defense. David and Joshua were the first to throw themselves into the throng of Philistines. David delivered the first blow to one of the generals, slashing him at the legs, then removing his head from his shoulders. Four Philistines charged David, but were quickly met with Eleazar's sword. He furiously defended his commander beside Josuebim. Together, they protected David's back as he marched forward through the fray of Philistines. At David's command, the six hundred men created a barrier between the Philistines and Caleb. With all their might, they protected the small city from the enemy. Three hundred of them formed a wall. Of them all, a man named Beniah stood out from all the rest. His broad frame and protective spirit was unleashed against the enemy. None made it by him alive, for within Beniah was a heart to protect his people and honor his commander David. The other three hundred advanced on the perimeters of the Philistine army, led by David and his mighty three. Of the three hundred, a young warrior named Abishai showed himself to be faithful. Two Philistines pursued David on horseback with swords drawn and aimed at his head. He dodged the first advance, flashing the horse's ankles with the side of his sword. However, the other had David's blind spot and nearly killed him if it weren't for Abishai's spear being delivered straight through his side. From that moment forward, Abishai stood at David's side, with Joshabim, Eleazar, and Shama, pressing forward into the enemy lines.
5: Do not lose heart!
3: David shouted to his men.
5: God has given us this victory! You need only to remain faithful!
3: The men shouted in agreement, pressing through the struggle. Meanwhile, within the gates of Kayla, Eliam helped the women and children find safety while also arming himself with the other men at the gates. The sounds of war could be heard over a hundred yards from where they stood. Many of the elders hid themselves behind the young men trembling with fear.
1: Eliam, how many men did you say David came with?
3: They asked. Eliam turned with a look of disgust. It matters not how many. Eliam responded.
1: I have seen the fire in their eyes. God has chosen them to protect us.
3: Screams of agony intermixed with clang of metal could be heard from behind the gates. Liam gripped his sword tightly, prepared for whatever might come. The large wooden gates began to rattle. The battle had made its way to them. The men stepped back and lifted their swords. The gate shook violently, and Liam could hear the pounding of fists and swords against the wood. Then with a final scream of pain, the pounding ceased. All was silent for what seemed like an eternity. Then a loud cheer bellowed into the skies. Shouts of victory and praise lifted into the heavens. Trumpets sounded, and the men let out a sigh of relief. Eliam went to the gates and slowly opened it with a few others. On the other side was David, panting over dozens of fallen Philistines. Blood and dirt caked his smiling face. All the men of Caleb lifted their hands in praise. The Redeemer of Israel had come to their aid even when their own king had forsaken them. Yet the Redeemer was not David. It was the Lord God who fought for them. They shouted God's name throughout the city streets, proclaiming liberation and freedom from fear. David and his men beamed with gladness. They held each other up and enjoyed a brief moment of victory. They were dancing in the streets. The women and children emerged from their places of hiding to greet the heroic men who had delivered them. For the first time in a long while, David and his men finally felt like they were accepted by their people. No longer simple outcasts running from the law, they were true heroes who were loved for their selfless deeds. That night, David and his men joined a banquet in their honor. The people of Kayla lavished them with wine, fresh bread, and broth. It was a welcome change to the simplicity of the forest. They gladly accepted the gifts and laughed amongst themselves. The courtyard was filled with music and dancing, and David leaned back against the wall overlooking his men. He was proud to be their leader and relished in their success. He found great satisfaction getting the best out of them and calling them to a higher purpose. He sipped his wine and joyfully sat back, taking in the sounds of victory. However, something caught David's eye. Standing in the dark corner, barely illuminated by firelight, four elders of the city stood speaking quietly to one another. They were in intense discussion, looking over their shoulders and whispering. David peered at them, wondering what they might be saying. As he was observing the odd encounter, Beniah leaned against the wall beside David with his arms folded. He leaned over to David. I have been watching them as well, he said quietly. They have clearly been reeling over something. David looked at Benaya.
5: You have a good eye, Benaya, he said. I fear they may not have the best intentions for us, or else they would be celebrating as well.
3: Beniah nodded. Shall we gather the men and leave? He asked. Not yet, David said.
5: We do not want to leave warm beds and good food unnecessarily. The men need what Kayla has been offering.
3: I want to be sure we are in danger before leaving. As David said this, he and Beniah watched one of the elders leave the group, whisper to his servant, and send him on a colt outside the city. David leaned over to Beniah and whispered,
5: Someone find me, Abiathar. He is among us somewhere.
3: I am in need of a priest. Beniah left, and David retreated back to pray. Aha! yelled the king, drawing his sword and slashing it through the air. He laughed from his belly and drew a (laughs) sigh of relief.
5: At last, I will have the dog in my hands. David is in Kayla, a fortified city with one way in and one way out. Yes!
3: The king was violently happy. He raised his sword in the air, then slashed it downward with a powerful swing.
5: The Lord has done this. He has given David into my hand. He is practically behind bars for me to come in and slit his throat.
3: King Saul looked down at the servant from Kayla, who had delivered him the news. He stepped forward and grabbed him by the face.
5: Thank you, my child. (laughs) You have done well. Now, go and tell the elders that I am coming to march against the city.
3: The young servant's eyes widened.
0: Pardon, my king? Did you just say you were going to march against the city?
3: King Saul sat back on his throne and took a sip of wine.
0: Of
5: course. You are currently hosting my greatest enemy within your walls. Him and the army of rebels he has amassed are eating your food and sleeping in your beds.
3: The servant trembled in fear.
1: Please, my king, have mercy on us. They defended us from the Philistines, but we are loyal to you. That is why I am here, so that you may retrieve David yourself.
5: Do you find me foolish, child? Saul exclaimed. David and six hundred armed men are within your walls, and you expect me to simply walk in there without an army to get him. If he is within your walls, I must storm it with my entire army, or else he will escape.
3: The king stood to his feet and pointed his sword at the boy.
5: Go and tell the elders of Kayla that the king is coming with his army. I suggest they find a way to deliver David to me on a silver platter, or else I will destroy the city. Go!
3: The boy wasted no time. He mounted his colt and trotted back to Kayla to warn them. The sun had tucked itself into the horizon, giving way to the cold night to settle in. David and Abiathar hid themselves in an alleyway dimly lit by torchlight. Do you have an
5: aphod, Abiathar? I must seek an answer from the Lord.
3: Abiathar nodded and took off his coat. Underneath was an elaborately designed garment. On it were the Urim and Thummim, two stones, one light and one dark. David needed a yes or no answer from the Lord, and the priestly ephod was the best way to inquire of his will. David bowed a knee before God and prayed. O
5: Lord, the God of Israel, is Saul coming to seek my head and destroy the city on my account?
3: Abiathar used the ephod to ask of God. His answer was clear and bone-chilling. Yes,
5: Saul is coming.
3: David's fists clenched and his jaw tightened. His instincts were correct. The men of Calah had told Saul of his location. He asked the Lord again,
5: Are they planning to surrender me and my men into his hand before the attack?
3: Yes, they will surrender you, the Lord said. David's heart sank. The people he had just saved were now planning to give him up. It took everything in him not to lash out in frustration. However, he had no time. He grabbed a torch and stepped into the courtyard. His men were asleep with full bellies. Arise! David shouted.
5: Saul is marching up against us. There is no time to waste. We must leave now!
3: The men woke up in a panic. David helped them up and told them to gather their belongings. Each man armed himself and fell in line behind David. Eleazar! David shouted.
5: I need you to scale the tower and see if there are torchlights in the distance. We must know how close Saul's army is.
3: Eliezer nodded and scaled the highest building in the city he could find. He reached the top and looked out. The horizon was dark, barely illuminated by the stars above. However, coming in from the north was a caravan of torches. Eliezer's eyes widened. The night is our ally, David said.
5: Saul is coming from Gibeah, which is north of here. We shall head south, towards the wilderness of Ziph. Pray to the Lord for
3: refuge. So David and his six hundred men arose and departed from Calah under the covering of night. The joy of saving the village was replaced with fear of being captured once again. David anguished over the loss of freedom for him and his men. After hours of stumbling in the dark, they finally found a safe place in the caves of Ziph. The men felt safe enough to light fires once again, and Joshobim, Eleazar, shama and Beniah helped them settle in for the night. Once the men were settled in, David walked to the back of the cave and knelt before God. He wept in silence. But the echoes of his sobbing traveled to the men, breaking their hearts for their despondent leader. David leaned against the jagged walls of the cave and closed his eyes. He breathed in deeply and remember the faithfulness of the Lord. In the cold and dark chasm of their exile, the Anointed One of God began to sing. David's poetry and music was honest, raw, and filled with praise. In the stillness of the evening, the men lay down and listened to David's voice echo throughout the caves as he sung.
5: The Lord is my light, whom shall I fear? He is my fortress, whom shall I fear?
4: When the wicked seek to devour me, it is they who will fall. Though armies seek my life,
5: my heart shall not fear. Though war comes to me, I will be confident. Just one thing I ask is that I may dwell in the presence of the Lord. Forever. All the days of my life, I want to gaze upon the beauty of my God. For on the day of trouble, He will keep me safe. He is my shelter forever.
2: Let's track the journey of David so far. He began as the shepherd, then the king's musician, the young commander, the exile, and now the vigilante. Despite being hunted by the king and his men, David comes to the aid of a small Israelite city. A messenger boy named Iliam sought David out and called him the savior of Israel. David, true to character, tells him that there is no savior but the Lord. This is an important lesson of true faithfulness. If David is overly concerned about people's perception of him, then he will eventually become beholden to their opinion. That was the downfall of Saul. David, however, is only concerned about the name of God and the safety of his people. If he were a people pleaser, he would immediately ride to their aid, but he isn't. David's primary aim is to please God. He seeks the Lord's counsel in the cool of night, earnestly asking if it is the right thing to do. There is a tender moment under the moonlight that gives us a more intimate understanding of his relationship with God. He gets the go-ahead from God as well as the counsel of his companions, then decides to make a move against the Philistines. Before the battle, David raises his sword and shouts to his men. He says, Not many of you have reason to fight in defense of your country. Like me, many of you have been cast aside and treated like a stranger in your own home. Yet today, God chooses you to be the defender of those who once persecuted you. He calls you to rise and fight for those who would not do the same for you. We serve a God of mercy. We serve a God who is a refuge to all who would cry out to him. Therefore, we will do the same. We will come to the aid of those who cry out. This is a profound statement and resonating image of Christ. Jesus died for those who rejected him and openly mocked him and with his wounds we are healed. This is a famous passage that depicts Jesus as a suffering servant, mocked by men but chosen by God to redeem mankind. David, in this episode, rallies his men to have the same heart. They have all in some way been rejected by their nation, but now they march to save it. The heart of a hero is revealed when the applause ceases and cheers fall silent. The men marched and the battle ensues. This is our first glance at David's army of outcasts. As it turns out, they're pretty skilled warriors and tacticians. They fight valiantly and passionately, moving the Philistines back to the city gates. In the throng of battle, we meet a few new characters. The brothers, Abishai and Ashiel, we will meet their other brother later, and Benaniah, these three men prove themselves in battle and will continue to be important figures moving forward. The battle is won. The men get to celebrate with comforts they have been deprived of in the wilderness. The men celebrate, but David is uneasy. He and Benaniah have the same suspicion that they are about to be given up to Saul. Now that the city has been saved, the elders seek to stack their fortune by giving David up to the king. Saul is in high pursuit and the army of outcasts are forced back into the wilderness once again. This was an emotional blow for David and his men. It is a raw and vulnerable thing to help those who have hurt you all to be hurt again. If left unchecked, a moment like this can make you extremely bitter. Think about times you have been hurt in your life by someone. Think about mustering up the courage to finally help them, all for them to hurt you again. Who knows this feeling better than God? Time and time again, he saves, all to be rejected and cast aside again. This episode is a picture of Israel's relationship with God. They call out to him when they need him, receive his blessing and celebrate, then betray him again. Elijah feels this pain in the prelude. He delivers Israel from the clutches of the prophets of Baal, then is forced to run for his life to the wilderness. Elijah will come back, as will David, because God will always come back. He always runs to the aid of his beloved children. There is no amount of rejection, sin, or idolatry that will keep our God from loving us and coming to our defense. True strength is shown when an opportunity for vengeance is met with mercy. This is the heart of Christ. In our next episode, David will have an opportunity to enact his revenge on Saul. The throne, the glory, and the comfort of Israel can all be his once again with one small swipe of a blade. Does our hero take the bait? Does he seize the opportunity for power and fame? We will find out in our next episode titled, Slit His Throat. Thanks again for listening. For more inspiring stories, daily prayers, and wisdom to last a lifetime, Go to Pray.com, and to expand your heroes in the Bible journey, download the Heroes of the Faith devotional at TonyEvans.org forward slash heroes. Share this podcast with a family member or friend, and help us spread God's Word. God bless.